Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with co-host, Keith Myers here for our midweek show, volume three of the 2022 regular season. Keith, welcome in, man. Yeah, so um, uh, interesting show this week. We've got um, we've been talking so much about the rookie tackles and Tariq Woolen. We've kind of forgotten about uh, the two second round picks, and both of them, you know, look to be playing more as the season progresses. So um, we. Sh- the idea here is we're going to kind of break down what we've seen, what we haven't seen, what we want to see uh, from defensive end, uh, sorry, outside linebacker, uh, Boye Mafe and uh, running back Ken Walker III. Yeah, so it'll be a fun conversation today. Those guys, like you said, primed to get more playing time. Pete Carroll's come out and actually said as much, especially with the uh, the linebacker, Boye Mafe. Really excited to, to see that. And then we have expectations to see more of Ken Walker um as time goes on as well Uh, Well, a couple pete carroll mentioned that and said that that you know they're gonna increase his workload you know slowly as they see more um and he calms down a little bit yeah cool so seahawks news really quick um seahawks place running back travis homer on injured reserve and pete indicated that he might be out longer than the four-week minimum uh so just something to monitor there they signed cornerback Xavier Crawford to the 53-man roster uh, as a, a opening came up and then also signed Colin uh, Gillespie, uh, the fullback, to the practice squad. He's played in 38 NFL games, mostly on special teams prior to this. Um, and that's really kind of it so far. Uh, Pete did give up uh, some, some updates um, to the injury report i guess um early in the week and it looks like shelby harris might be ready to go this week although he's not practicing today um he he could be available and that's up to uh to game time decision other than that everyone else seems to be fairly well healthy and uh, ready to go in this game coming up um you mentioned the idea of focusing on a couple of players you're right we've been talking about Charles Cross and Abe Lucas um, almost every week. And those guys have been making us talk about them. And, and Tariq Woolen um, mm-hmm. is another guy that we've just kind of spent a lot of time talking about. Um, and yeah, there's a good, reason. For good reason, yeah. I mean, those guys have been playing great. Absolutely. And there's a reason why we haven't been talking about Boye Mafe and Ken Walker. Boye Mafe just hasn't seen a lot of the field. I think he took 18 snaps in this last game um and he's just one of those guys that makes you wonder what the coaches are seeing in practice and stuff because when he gets on the field all he does is make plays he makes himself known he's he's present he's showing up um he's defending the run really well which nobody else seems to be doing and so it just seems obvious that they would want to go to a player like that and i realize going in his reputation was that he wasn't ready 
he needed help, uh, especially um, setting the edge and defending the run. He just hadn't had that much experience at Minnesota prior to being drafted this April um, in, in doing that. But I think that with his athleticism and his size, He's got the ability to do that. He just needs to be coached up and and get the reps. And I think that's what Pete Carroll alluded to in the press conference where he said, boy, Mafia's going to start getting the reps, Keith. Yeah, and he he's earned them. Um, I mean, he's he's um, got only got seven tackles, but he does have a sack. And, um, you know, the Seahawks have had a hard time getting uh, to the quarterback. And, you know, he's a guy that in very limited opportunities has shown that he can do that. But on top of that, what you were saying – his like the guy he's going to be replacing is Daryl Taylor, who's been just a massive disappointment this year. Um, and it, you know, Mafe's got an opportunity to basically take his job because uh, if he he can play the run, then he's going to be better. Why take him off the field then? Yeah, and he's got all the upside with with rushing the passer already built in. If he can defend mm-hmm. the run better than Daryl Taylor, and the indications are maybe that would be true. How does well, yeah, Daryl Taylor get back on the field? Yeah, Daryl Taylor is gonna have to um, figure it out and get better uh, against the run because he's he hasn't been great in pass um, rush, which is weird because he was like really good for it last year, and then struggled. Basically, it's like he's not even out there on running plays. So uh, it's been it's been bad for um, Daryl Taylor. So it's these two think, players are kind of interesting. I think you know, they've had Daryl Taylor's out of positions. I think Daryl yeah. Taylor's out of position. He is a guy that needs to be up on the line. He's a defensive end, and they're trying to turn him into. So he's an outside a five. Linebacker. He's a four three five tech, is what you're saying? No, he's a four three seven tech. Okay, so um, Leo guy. Yeah, um, he needs to be up as a defensive end and have his hand on the ground where. He's not moving backwards. He's not in space. He's um, attacking at field, whether that be um, rushing the passer or just setting the edge and, and and doing that against the run. But he's doing that by getting up field and making all runs go inside um, rather than trying to do that from the outside um, off the line of scrimmage and come up and make um, those plays. It just doesn't seem to be working for him. Is it is it a matter of just lateral quickness or just confidence? Um, just confidence mostly, I think. Um, I mean, his back pedal's not what you'd want it to be, but um, bladderly, he's looked okay. It's just, I think it's just like co- the, the combination of confidence that, and lack of instinct. The the prime example that's coming into my mind is the play against Debo Samuel. Oh, you know, God, that and it's, was awful. And and it's almost like he was just frozen and, and had the inability to either move forward or move laterally. And he just kind of got stuck in in, mm-hmm. in a spot. And Debo just really didn't even have to run past him very hard. He just, you know, one juke and he was gone. Um, I was going to talk about the trajectory of Boye Mafe versus Daryl Taylor. It seemed like Daryl Taylor developed really early. He was kind of a ready-made guy by the time he got to his junior year in college. He was very, being very effective and being looked at as being a, a high-end type of draft pick. Uh, got a little injured there at the end. Wasn't able to do all the the senior stuff at the end there and the senior bowl and the and the combine and stuff and kind of lost some some luster. 
But Boye Mafu was kind of the opposite. Really didn't develop in college very much. In fact, he only started 12 games uh, overall, and those came in his senior year. And he just kind of was the second uh, team in his conference and not widely looked at and then shows up at the senior bowl and just kind of explodes. Here's this massively athletic guy, with great size and agility and ended up being the player of the game in that game. Had a great week in practice and just kind of lit it up and, and rose up the draft boards as a result. And now, and so everyone's kind of got this idea that he's underdeveloped. He's still has a lot to learn. He's doesn't know how to set the edge at all because he never really had to at Minnesota. And here's a player that, that the Seahawks have, and they're really excited to have him. And now here's his opportunity early on in his rookie season to kind of have an impact. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And with, with Taylor, like it's, it's frustrating because, you know, he missed his first year. Um, and then last year he looked good. Like they, you know, yes, he, they, he were still, they were still in, in playing a four three and he got to be that guy on, on the outside. He was that um, seventh tech. Uh, and he had six and a half sacks and it looked like, all right, this guy's ready to break out and, and, and explode this year. But the switch to the three, four isn't doing him any favors. Now a word from our new sponsor, Raycon. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of the Foo Fighters and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and 32 hours of battery life. Raycons price just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. When I'm using my Raycons, I have three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, and noise isolation. Whether I'm in the studio or listening to my favorite band, my Raycons are great. Go to buyraycon.com slash TPPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash TPPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash TPPN. And it's not doing the Seahawks any favors either, obviously. You know, mm -hmm. I think, you know, we can pause it a little bit, talking about the players for a second, and just talk about the scheme and the idea that Pete Carroll, you know, uh, there's a lot of chatter, if you will, on Twitter and, and other social media platforms about it's just the same old Pete, it's the same problems, it's the defense hasn't... Well, to be completely honest, Pete went yeah, out in February and completely fired his entire defensive coaching staff and went to a completely new scheme with new terminology, Vic Fangio's mm -hmm. defense, and brought in uh, Clint Hurt, who had been with the team but has past experience in that defense, and then brought in Sean Desai and, and some of the other, Carl Scott, some of the other guys to come in and, and effectively completely wholesale change that thing. So it's inherently not exactly the same problems we're seeing in the prior two years that we had slow starts at, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. But it, it does make you wonder, like, what is going on? Well, part of it is um, whenever a team makes a switch from a 3-4 to a 4-3 or, or the other direction, it takes a full year to get personnel right. Because you've got guys that were drafted to play defensive end now trying to play outside linebacker. Um, and they're not necessarily 
equipped to be an outside linebacker. Um, and you've got guys that were uh, drafted to, um, you know, be a, a, a five tech and get up, af- get up the field that are now being asked to eat space. And that's maybe not their game. Um, and so you end up with it taking a year to churn that part of the roster enough or, or, or two years, the right really. kind of guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and so two full, two full cycles, you need your free agency cycle, you need your draft and you got to go through two of those, I think to really, yeah. So the, they've over. been, that's what I mean. They've been through the one this year is going to be, um, rough. And then we need a whole nother off season in order to get right. As far as the players are concerned. And, um, I think that that is one of the things that we're running into here is that, um, you know, Daryl Taylor isn't suited for this defense. And so this might be a situation where, at the end of this season, um, you know, they make a trade or, you know, they, like next off season, they make a trade and, and ship him off to a four, three team that can take advantage of his skills and get some, get an asset, whether it be a, um, you know, defensive end or, uh, you know, something else or draft picks or whatever. I mean, that that's something that we might see uh, over uh, this next year because it just isn't a great fit for him. And you mentioned just the, the front, uh, you know, defensive line guys there. He goes through the, the middle linebacker, the, you know, the center of the defense, as well as the, the safeties and the defensive backs too. Everything is new. Everything is different. Those guys mm-hmm. are kind of mostly old. I mean, we've turned over 25% of the defense, but 25 isn't quite enough, you know, to be able to make coastal changes and still expect your, um, to put your players in the best position to be successful. It's just, you're asking them to kind of play out of position a little bit and and it it's a testament to the players to be able to do that however you're still going to have these issues especially early on the terminologies change uh the players are in, in new positions looking uh keying on different things that they they've keyed on in the past and it's it is a, a, a tough deal so let's get back to boy mafe 6'4 261 pounds ran a four five three forty at the combine 38 inch vertical super athletic i mean I know that you probably remember the senior bowl stuff because we both came out of that kind of talking about this guy a little bit. When we started doing the ramp up to the, to the draft, he was one of those players that we were identifying that would be a good fit for Seattle. Yeah. Like the two guys that you and I both were like, as far as athletes are concerned, we really wanted on CX roster were Boye Mafe and Tariq Wollin. And guess what? We got both and both are proving to be pretty dang good um yeah. so yeah. i'd like to see a little bit more of boy mafe before i i put that out there well but, true but, but i mean yeah it, yeah yeah, in yeah very in very limited snaps he's looked good um, what did i just what way. did i just text you just a little while ago this afternoon uh the I, thing about Tariq wollen yeah something <laughs> like he's only allowing like 45 uh passer rating against him fifth overall all cornerbacks in the nfl in, after three weeks mm-hmm. which is just really a an amazing stat. Passer rating of 40.6 through three games. It's it's an amazing testament to not only um Tariq, but just the 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 team. And I mean, and he made that um starting uh, kind of inserted into the starting lineup in training camp really early in the process. I know maybe it took an injury or whatever, maybe I can't remember if it was um well, it was the um, Artie Burns. Sydney, or was Sydney it was the Sydney Jones concussion that he took that, like that three really, weeks to get back for. Okay. And by the time he came back, like Tariq Woolen kind of had the job. 
and, and rightly so. I mean, he's got know. so much more upside and just every day, every down potential than than Jones does. Now, Jones is a fine corner. In fact, I would argue that that sitting Jones or having him be a game day scratch is maybe not the best situation. But no, he sh- he needs to be playing on the opposite side. He needs to be out there playing and. um yeah, for him to be a um, a healthy scratch that unless he's just really not healthy or the the team is not liking what they're seeing from him in camp because he missed or in practice because he missed all of camp, um he needs to be playing. He needs to be out there. And hopefully we'll get that we'll get get to see him out there soon um op- opposite Tariq Woolen. So super fast and athletic both both players that we're talking about here. And that's one of the things that we talked about the defense really needing this offseason was speed, team speed and athleticism and just kind of changing the dynamic of the identity of the defense. It seemed like mm-hmm. we were kind of soft and and Tariq Woolen gives us kind of the ability to kind of build around now. I mean, that's the kind of player you kind of build a, a back end of a defense around. And um, so it should be pretty exciting going He's forward. The, he seems to be the type of player you build a scheme around. Like the way that the way that the Seahawks operated when Richard Sherman was out there, and you could roll mm-hmm. um, roll coverage away from him because you just know he's going to be all right. Yeah. Uh, now he's not there yet. Um, True, but and, I've but, been so surprised, Keith, that they've left him on an island quite frequently, have. actually. Yeah. Uh, but he's I like to say he's not he's not at that that level yet, but you can see it coming. I mean, the guy's had three games in the NFL. And he's already looking like he is a you know three year vet. Um, Here we so, are, not not even supposed to be talking about him. We can't help ourselves. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> boy, him off it. Um, but the thing is that that we're talking about him because he was a guy who looked to be a bit of a project, but there was so much athleticism, so much like physical talent that you knew that it wouldn't take much for him to get through the mental part and get on the field. And boy, Mafia is the same way. A 263 pound outside linebacker. Um, this guy's big yes. for that spot, but he's so athletic. Like it, he doesn't run like a big guy out there. He runs like, you know, the 200 and um, you know, 25, 230 pound outside linebacker that you'll see on other teams. He runs like that. And he's got he's, an 82 inch wingspan. Yeah. You know, he's only six foot four, but he's got that wingspan. And then he's got the five, four, three, forty. You know, mm-hmm. he, he reportedly ran a four, four, nine, forty at not his pro day, but some other event earlier in his career. Um, it might might have been a Nike deal. Uh, because he was on Bruce Feldman's uh, freak list at number seven overall before this draft. Yeah. You know, and so he's, he's a, just he, he's that he bench he benches like, you know. I think he had 32 reps or something like that. And then he, he, uh, that's crazy for a non lineman. He cleaned like 400 pounds, some, something like, you know, a crazy amount of reps and stuff. So So. we need to see him out there. We need to get an idea of, you know, um, playing a linebacker. There's so many different things you have to key on and recognize and, and read and, and make sure you, you get into the right spot and then do the right thing. Um, it's, it's a harder position. Uh, but, yeah, and then and so then far, coverage though too. We haven't even seen him in coverage really. Yeah. From from what we've seen so far is we know he's got the physical skills. Now let's go see the rest. Um, can they can they develop him the way they de- developed Woolen? Um, 
And the reason that I think that we're talking about this, Keith, and we're excited about it is because the defense is so cruddy, Mm -hmm. to to use a nice word, um, that we're, I think we've reached a point, even in game four now, approaching game four, we've reached a point where we're now talking about the future. We're talking about trying to identify future assets, players that we need to carry forward after this year. We've got a lot of vets on the team. Some of those guys are just not doing the job. It's time to see what we have that we can build around. And and Boye Mafe would be definitely one of those players. Yeah. Okay, so let's turn our attention to the offensive side of the ball. We've got a couple of, of players we're going to talk about, but the first one is rookie Ken Walker. The third, 5'9", 215 pounds, ran a 4'3", 40. Very exciting player out of the draft. Second uh, running back taken after Bryce Hall. Uh, in the draft, uh, very explosive, elusive, powerful, good balance, all the things that you're looking for in a three down back. The only rub on him was they didn't know if he could receive the ball out of the backfield very good because they just didn't do that at Michigan State. Uh, so far, he's looked great in that role for the Seahawks. And, you know, he had that 21 yard scamper um, in the last game that showed kind of some burst and elusiveness and change of direction. And it really kind of makes you want to be able to see him as more of a featured back in this offense. I know Penny's there, and and we're just don't seem to quite be in sync yet with our running game. But how do they work Ken Walker in more into the equation? Well, what they need is to um, they need to just be better at running the ball in general. Um, I mean, Penny's been decent in two of the three games like he's been good in two of the three games in the 49er game nothing worked running the ball um but they need to they need to be able to string together drives so that they just have more running plays total um not by throw not by running a a higher percentage but just running more plays and and if that's the case then we'll see more walker and i think we'll see more walker anyway if you listen to pete carroll um talk he said that um you know that with Walker, there was a little bit of like, he was a little jittery and a little like, um, you know, basically he was just too ramped up and, and excited and, and wasn't being patient with the runs, um, that he was being given until that, that 29 yarder. Um, and they just need him to calm down and do what he does. I think you do, uh, and, you get there by just feeding him the ball. Yeah. I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is, you know, you just let him go through the, let him go through the, the the prep and the work and then get out there and not have the lights be so bright. Um, I think it's both. So. And now a word from our sponsor DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets. If they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day, all season long. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I, what I would like to see is, you know, Penny's earned his right to, to be the starter. Go out there and, and have two or three series, but then give Ken Walker two or three series and just mm-hmm. kind of see what he does, uh, you know, an, a three series in a row. Um, give him an opportunity to catch, you know, have seven carries in a row would be great, or, or 10 even. Um, how do we capture that thing that we had at the end of the last season? We had five or six games there where Penny had 700 yards and, it just seemed like we could run over anybody. I realized we had uh, Britt at center and um, and Brown over at left tackle, probably better run blockers than uh, Cross there at left tackle currently, and then Austin Blythe at, at center. And Gabe Jackson seems like he's dropped off a little bit. Is that the difference? Yeah, they're they're struggling. Um, the the interior of the line is struggling. Lewis is um, not playing as well now as he did uh, as a rookie um and that's been troubling um austin blythe is you know good as far as um helping get the line calls right and and all of that and he's been okay as a um uh pass blocker um on most passing downs but as a run blocker he isn't that road grader um and the same and i don't know what's going on with with jackson at right tackle he was the team's best offensive lineman last year. And this is a, a, a pro bowl guy who played really well last year. And he just has not looked good so far. And he's year. next to a competent center who knows all the line calls makes, makes good calls and, and is fairly decent at pass blocking. And then Abe Lucas is everything you could ask for out of a rookie at right tackle playing better than half the right tackles in the league already. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's no excuses for Gabe Jackson to let down over there. Yeah, he's not he, having to compensate for a lot. He's just not mm-hmm. playing well on his I individual mean, assignments. He's got uh, more talent beside him this year than last year on both sides. Well, at least on at least at tackle. Like he's got more talent beside him, so he shouldn't be you know worrying about compensating for other people's mistakes. Yeah. He needs to just focus on his job. Um, and if he's not going to get that done, you know, well, then this is probably his last year in Seattle. And, and it might be his too. last game. I'm not going to say it's his last game in Seattle. I'm just, I'm saying it might be his last game as a starter mm-hmm. if they decide to go with, with um, Kerhan over there at right tackle. I think that would help improve their running game. Kerhan's not going to give you as much as a pass blocker, but the interior pass blocking might not be as much of a concern with Gino as he's getting the ball out fairly quickly and doing the short passing game type stuff. And they still have Abe Lucas over there. Um, but Abe Lucas plus Kerhan gives you such a large push mm-hmm. forward. Abe Lucas has already shown that he's a better run blocker than given credit for in college. And I think that, that might be a nice duo to run behind. But that's yeah. just me. That's just me. And and with um Lewis on the other side, if he is um if he's still hurt, because he was hurt for a bunch of, of training camp and you know, into the first week, he missed the High first ankle. game of the year. If if he's still hurt, 
then let uh, Phil Hands play because we we've seen him and he, does he make mistakes? Sure, but he he was a better run blocker than we've seen from any of the interior guys so far this year. So, um, yeah, and Lewis and Blythe have graded out consistently the the two lowest graded um, yeah. blockers, and then Jackson right behind. So the the middle of our line is what's hurting us, I think, as mm-hmm. far as getting that you know the push uh defending the run coming in and and our running backs really kind of not having enough room initially i think is is kind of held us back a little bit but we've i mean uh, you know we've also been able to kind of break off some chunk plays too you know eight yard runs pennies pennies look pretty decent fighting for extra yards after contact and all that stuff so it's not been a disaster there just hasn't been a huge commitment we've we've actually passed the ball I would say 10 to 15% more than I thought we would this year. I mean, it's, it's well, really been kind of interesting to me. The, the Broncos sold out to stop the run. And so the Seahawks were just throwing it based on the defense. And um, they were behind and behind big against the 49ers. So and the 49ers have an underrated defense. They just try- do. So the yeah, and the Seahawks were just trying to get back in the game, um, and you'll, you'd only do that by you know throwing the ball and speeding things up and, and all of that. So uh, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's completely a situation where um, they they this is what they want. Um, I just think that it's a matter of way, the way the game flow has gone and it's gone away from them. And just not being able to sustain drives <laughs> or have enough drives. Our defense has been on the field for so long. Yeah. That's part of it too, just not having the the drives. So we actually, were going to so talk. I was saying this this actually transitions really well into the other conversation that um, I'd like us to have, and that is to talk a little bit about uh, Geno Smith and the offense and and what the problems are, what's not working, and all of that. Because it's easy for you know for me to come in here and be like, yeah, I mean, he's clearly not the future. He's thirty four and and not a great player. He's, thir- he's currently thirty one, Keith, and he'll be thirty two October tenth. Is he thirty one? Yeah, I thought he was thirty four. You had me huh. convinced though. But I I wanted to correct the record when I found no out. I just, that I I, that actually that I mean that's important, and I'm I'm glad we're getting it right. I don't know where that came from. Then I thought he was older, um, but when you look at at uh, at at him. People will say he's not the biggest problem on offense. Yeah, that's true. He's not. He's not the biggest problem on offense. They've got other problems. They've got, you know, the interior of that offensive line that's really just not playing up to expectation, um, not playing up to how any of those guys have played in the past. Uh, that's, you know, a bigger problem. And so I think one of the one of the questions that led to this actual conversation, uh, when we finished recording our last show, I asked you this question. I said, why do we still need a franchise quarterback, Keith? If he isn't a franchise if, quarterback. If he's playing to this level of competency and efficiency. He's got 77% of his passes completed, 717 yards. The 7.0 yards per attempt is is uh, unsettling a little bit. Four touchdowns, two interceptions. That's not a horrible not ratio, either. but it's not horrible. And then he's taken six sacks. But overall... He, he hasn't been the problem. In fact, you could argue he's kept us in a, in a couple of these games. But to answer my question, why do we still need a franchise quarterback? Because you can't win without one, and he's not one. What does he not give you that that a, a franchise quarterback, quote-unquote? Uh, let's just use um, Wilson as an example. 
he doesn't make the players around him better and he doesn't give you an opportunity to go win a game when it's close late. He just isn't that guy. He's a guy that can be a caretaker of an offense and and not turn the ball over, although he has two picks. Um, one of them I'm not going to give him too much credit for. It was fourth and 18 at the end of a game, and he was just trying to get, you know, give the team a shot. But, um, you know, if your defense is going to dominate and your offense just has to score a few points, you can win with a guy like Gino. But he isn't that guy who, you know, with two minutes left, you get the ball down four, is going to drive your team down for a score. We've seen that. We've seen him have those opportunities. Um, he had two last year, and he's had a couple already this year, and he's failed at all of them because he's not that guy. So they do need a franchise quarterback. Is he the biggest problem on offense? No, he's not. He's actually played surprisingly well, but he's older. He's not your future, and he's not a guy. Geno Smith isn't the biggest problem, but he also isn't the answer to their problems. Yeah, that's the quote I was looking for. Russell Wilson covered up a lot of awful because he could. He he played behind some of the worst offensive lines the NFL um, has seen the last couple of years. And his ability to escape, his ability to make plays, just play off schedule and 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 just do those kind of things allowed for uh the team to be deficient in other areas his ability to take the team down and score um late in a game where they haven't played well and kind of didn't really like deserve to win up until the last few minutes but then he is was able to elevate and not just himself but the guys around him uh, so that's what Gino, a franchise quarterback does. Gino had a couple of those opportunities early in his career, uh, 2013-14, when he was a rookie, second year, where mm-hmm. he did have some comebacks. He had five comeback, uh, come from behind wins under his belt uh, at that point, including two in the last two minutes. Um, he's he's he he has that. He just hasn't. He doesn't have a lot of opportunities and hasn't had. What if he would have? shown you that here in the next eight weeks that you know two or three four games they put the game on his shoulders at the end and he actually came out and and did it would that change your perception of off-season need no it wouldn't um just because uh, i i mean is that is that does that say more about you or does that say more about the actual on the ground situation. I think it says more about the actual on the ground situation because it's about um, evaluation of what you're seeing. And he does a lot of good things pre-snap. Like we were saying in the last show, he's learned that that's important because he didn't do that stuff early in his career, but he is doing it here, which is awesome. Um, But what isn't working is all the time post-snap. That's why, I mean, he's had two good quarters out of six because teams are able to adjust to what Seattle Seahawks are doing and, and Gino's limitations show up. And I just think that in the, in the end, like not all quarterbacks are, you know, built to be a superstar and he's just one of them. That's not, um, like I said, he, can he be steady 
and you know win you some games if the defense plays really well and the running game's going absolutely absolutely he can um but is that going to win you a title i mean those titles come once every 15 to 20 years that's um the philadelphia eagles with nick Foles and the um trent dilfer with the the ravens i mean that's those are like the last two instances of a guy winning a title being Geno Smith level. I mean, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo make a Super Bowl and then was clearly part of the reason why they didn't win it. Uh, we've seen Jared Goff make it to a Super Bowl and then clearly was a big part of the reason why they didn't win it. Um, and we've seen both of their teams recognize the fact that they weren't good enough and move on. That right there is is a really key point um i think in this argument because it is easy for fans to root for their quarterback and well, absolutely gino's definitely an underdog he's everything's against him it, you know he came out with a quote people have written me off but i ain't right back and he's just got kind of that dog mentality which is great you get behind that you feel good about a guy like that i do yeah the i'm, I'm all i'm game like i I think that what we're seeing um, from Geno Smith is way more than I expected um, coming into the year. I like what I've seen at times. That first half against uh, the Broncos and the first half of this last game, he looked better than at any point he's looked in his career. Um, this is a guy who was in control of the offense and all of that, and things were working. But then the, the defenses make a small adjustment and you don't have a guy who you can you can um adjust with it, there's limitations and that's just part of uh, of the way it is i mean every... and there's certain circumstances too that have come under his situation you know you've had some holding calls untimely you've had that happens some, to everyone though uh, draw yeah, true but you know <laughs> the idea that so what, what you're just he's also telling... had some interceptions that have been dropped as well yeah, he's had Potentially. Some, some interceptions hit guys right in the breadbasket and then they dropped them. Um, but you've, okay, so you're like, oh, well, the holding calls, whatever. That happens to everyone. If you're not good enough to overcome that kind of stuff when it happens, then you're not good enough. And that's part of it. Yeah. Because if, I, if the, I, if the, I I agree. No, I I agree with everything the, that you're saying, and I if think the rest of the team has to play perfectly, like the offense has to play perfectly for you to be successful and look like really good. Um, that's a problem, because no one's perfect, and you're gonna have guys miss blocks. You're gonna have guys um, get out of position and and hold. Um, it sucks. It happens. It'd be it it'd be really awesome if we could sit here and say Geno Smith's ceiling is twelve wins with a great defense. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. That that comes out of my mouth. I don't believe it. What I mm -hmm. do believe though is Geno Smith could be a five hundred quarterback with a great defense because that's who he's been. Mm -hmm. That's what he looks like. He has potential, depending on the way the ball bounces, to uh, to be more than that. But it's himself having the team on his shoulders i don't know that that he has that championship caliber um and i agree with you i think and you it. you talked to me too uh i think after we
pushed in on our last recording about the importance, the, the differential positional importance between a franchise quarterback and the number one pass rusher in the draft, like mm-hmm. Will Anderson. I said, what if Seattle sucks like this on defense all year and Geno shows that he's at least a competent uh, placeholder? Do we switch directions as a, as a franchise and go a first pick overall? Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, and you said, no, you go get your franchise quarterback. Yeah, because if you can get a franchise quarterback, that'll cover up for a lot of things. You can get pass rushers um, with the whatever the Broncos pick ends up being, the ninth overall pick, um, and then or in the second round. You can go get those guys. They may not be uh, as dominant, but they're, you can still get those guys. Um, you can't get a franchise quarterback there. You only can get them at the top of the first round. And uh go what you look at um Jadavian Clowney was thought of as being one of the best defensive end prospects that, that we've seen in the last 20 years. He didn't lead to more wins um uh, for Houston. He didn't lead to more wins than when he was in Seattle, right? Um Miles Garrett, as good as he's been, and he's been very good. Um has he been a difference maker in in um Cleveland? Yeah, you just you said you know these these guys are very very good uh, football yeah. players and the best players on their defense, but they're still bad defenses. Yeah. Whereas when you have a franchise quarterback, you can have a bad offense that does well enough to win games. Like they, we saw that in Seattle, right? Where we had you know not a great offensive line and no running back there for a couple of years when Marshawn left, but we had a franchise quarterback. And the offense worked anyway, and they still won games. They still made it to the playoffs. They still contended. Um, a, a quarterback can make that much of a difference to your team. A defensive end can be really good and like like whatever, but they can't make they don't make the team um, better in the same way that a quarterback can. I agree. I agree. Good so points. Great, agree. great points. You're not supposed to agree with me. It makes for a uh, much you, more you make way show too, when you this when you this, when but you this way makes way too much sense. I would look <laughs> like a complete dork if uh, if I if I argued against that because that's, I mean, obviously that's that's yeah. the way that this thing is is looked at, upon, and and 32 teams in the NFL agree with with that. I think, and um, it'll be very interesting this next three or four weeks, Keith. Mm-hmm. Um, we had talked about the Detroit game. Uh, we had, well, first of all, we talked about the Atlanta game being kind of a barometer as far as where we're at. We lost to Atlanta at home. And we had a pretty decent, a really good offensive outing, and we lost. And now we're going on the road to Detroit. Here's another defense in Detroit that I think that we could probably move the ball on a little bit on offense. I expect similar results on offense, actually. But is our defense going to be able to slow down? Their off their their offense looks really good, actually. Uh, they might be without a couple of their key players, and we'll see if that makes a difference. But after that, it gets more difficult. You know, we've got a couple of games with Arizona coming up, um, and it's just and and uh, Kansas City, and it's just not going to be easy at all. And I'm not sure if this team's equipped to to win those type of games against better opponents. Um, it's just going to be one of those years where we're looking at individual player performances and so forth. 
um, like Boya Mafe and Ken Walker. So let's 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 look at those guys and kind of root for those guys and and um, and see what we've got as we build this thing up. Because this is like you said, this is a roster building uh, exercise for the next couple of years. Yeah, at least just for the next year. And we're finding out who we're gonna we're gonna keep. Who's, yeah, who we're gonna because, build around. Because you've got, I mean, you got Tariq Woolen. I mean, he, he looks like a guy, a franchise piece. He's a guy that you, you and can two tackles. You contend with two offensive tackles. You got that. Um, you know, and that's all just in this draft. And what if you know Boye Mafe and Ken Walker continue to develop and look good? Um, that's that's a lot of pieces that you've put in place in one draft. Um and you know they they just need to continue to do that. They need to to continue to draft well and that kind of stuff. But it, they need those evaluations, and it's not just the evaluations of the rookies. It's a value. It's valuations on guys like um, Daryl Taylor, and he, they need to figure out if he is going to turn that corner and become the guy they thought he was going to be going into this year, or whether he is just a guy who should have his hand on the ground at a defensive end, and they need to go trade that asset for. Um, an, a player who fits the defense better. So far, it looks like that. Yeah, we're going mean, to find out. You, you look at Pete Carroll's history, and when he, one of the first things he did when he got here was trade Daryl Tapp for Chris Clemens. And that was a situation of trading a guy that was productive, and you knew he was, you know, not not a pro bowler, but a productive pass rusher for a guy no one had heard of, but it was a guy that fit the defense better. And it was a better fit overall. And then, of course, Chris Clemens explodes in Seattle. Um, and it's not like Tap played poorly um, for the Eagles. He went on and 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 continued to play well. But you got to get the right guys in when you, especially when you change schemes like this. So they need to make those those uh, adjustments and move forward. Good show, Keith. I, I enjoyed that conversation. That was great. Um, tomorrow we're going to come back and we're going to do a show on previewing the. Uh, Seahawks at Detroit Lions this week, the fourth game of the season. After this game, Keith, we'll be nearly a quarter of the way through the season, which is I know, it's remarkable. Crazy. Remarkable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be a good show as well. Come back for that. You can find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NW Seahawks. The show is at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. Find us on your favorite podcast platforms and YouTube. Hit that subscribe button and make sure you share it. So until next time, go Hawks. Go out. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.